Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists at a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I'm really excited about what we got going on today. I'm sitting down with Nick. Nick has been in the industry for a very long time. He's going to give us his backstory. And we're going to wrap today about the industry, about massage therapy in Ontario. And I guess, you know, right across the country, because um, Nick's got some really interesting things to say. And uh, I, you know, I just want to pick his brain on some of this stuff. So, Nick, why don't you uh, give the audience a little a little piece of uh, what you're all about? Uh, I'll just give a bit of my backstory and where I've, I've come from. So, yeah, sure. I um, finished my massage therapy education in 1990. At the time, it wasn't the Regulated Health Professions Act. We were governed by the Drugless Practitioners Act. My certificate actually says, uh, I have it somewhere, and it says the board of directors of masseurs and masseuses. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, it, it, uh, it dates back that far. And um, we flipped over to the Regulated Health Professions Act, and a whole bunch of changes have come since then. And so uh, we're just going to probably talk about how the industry's changed and the responsibility of not only the CMTO, the RMTAO, uh, education in, in general, but the, the profession. There's RMTA, R, 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 massage therapists have some responsibility in, in all of this as well. And the problem with massage therapists is that they're passive, right? And so a lot of them are passive. And... Uh, you know, for example, the CMTO sends out a survey because they want to know the direction. How many people do you think actually fill those surveys? <laughs> up, right? I'm I've I've been a bit of a geek all my life, and so I've always filled out the surveys because I think more data that they have to go through, it's it's better. So, um, it's uh it's really interesting. So we get, that could be a jumping off point. We can you know you know talk. let's 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 go right from the beginning. Where did you go to school? So Darcy Lane. Okay. So and when I graduated, there were five hundred, roughly five hundred massage therapists in the province. Right. I don't know what, where we're at now. Fourteen thousand. Uh, around fourteen thousand. Fourteen thousand. And so in the Hamilton area, that's where I practiced. There. So you opened up the yellow pages. When there was a yellow pages, there was a hard copy of the book. Um, six clinics. So, and that's Hamilton, Burlington, Dundas, Stony Creek. So this whole area had six clinics. It's changed now. There's probably like 600 clinics yeah. and just in this area. It was a, it was difficult, especially being a male at the time. But, you know, if you're a decent therapist, uh, you, you know, word of mouth and you, you build up your practice fairly quickly. Worked in a number of different settings, everything from physio clinics to chiropractic clinics to uh, at one time working at a designated assessment center aside, you know, physicians and uh, chiropractors and physiotherapists. So seen a lot. I've done a lot. Uh, been involved in education since 1996 so I've seen a lot of the changes uh, so give us your career path then so you went to Darcy Lane yeah before that I was at Western and so I was already up in London so carried on at Darcy Lane and then after that went to Sheridan College for Athletic Therapy oh right on and so uh, my parents were wondering if I'm ever going to leave school but it was their <laughs> fault because <laughs> my dad always said uh, stay in school so I stayed in school and my sister did the same thing and, and you know she stayed in school for even longer than I did what did you take at Western? Uh, phys ed, it was called phys ed, phys ed. at the time so it wasn't I, kinesiology no so it's interesting because they switched that over primarily for funding right so in, their program fundamentally didn't change it may have changed now but but it didn't fundamentally change. So the stream that you went into, it wasn't necessarily a kinesiology st stream. I I picked all the, like you could have gone to more of the social study aspect of uh, the phys ed, but uh, I picked all the 
tried to pick all the cool subjects. My favorite was anatomy. I hung out in the cadaver lab. Western was really unique because we had our own bodies. Right. So we got to dissect our own bodies. We just didn't have, you know, body parts. So um, that was really interesting. And, and I, I mean, I was a lab rat. I absolutely loved it. So, um, so my bent was more to the kinesiology side anyways. But so it wasn't kinesiology at the time. I think all the programs are kinesiology now. Now they are, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's sort of, sort of my my educational history and then again just working in all sorts of different clinics so then what what made you go do massage therapy after physical education you know what we were it's funny because we were on um at the time at western you had to do something called activities and activities were just sports so you could understand the sports and the rules and everything like that and i was signed up for a ski trip and the ski trip was awesome because it was a it was a one week prior to going back to school after christmas break and it was a huge party so you learned how to ski and all the aspects of skiing but every night it was just a one jump yeah. For, any, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, in, in most kinesiology programs or physical education programs in universities in Canada, they have practicum classes, these practical classes where you have to take, you know, what, team sports, solo sports, racket sports, uh, aquatics, exactly. that type of thing. And so did, did those go towards your GPA, just out of curiosity? No, no. So there was, there was no, it was a, I think it was a complete a, okay. I think you got a complete or an incomplete, right, right, right. but you had to, you had to do that in, in, in uh, to, to fulfill the requirements of the diploma. So, you know, you're sitting around one night and, and we're a whole bunch of students in, uh, uh this, uh, like a big co- uh, condo. And one girl was going for massage therapy and I said, what's that all about? I had no idea. Right. Like you have to think at the time, 500 massage therapists. And I remember I going to my father-in-law and saying, Hey, I'm going to go into massage. He wasn't my father-in-law at the time. And he goes, aren't you putting all your eggs in one basket? He's ne- never heard of massage therapy. So you go to the, you know, you, you go to the school. And so I checked it out and I thought, yeah, this is kind of, kind of cool. So, um, stuck with it for 21 years and did further education and, uh, did a whole bunch of con ed courses and yeah. it, it, it's, it's a great profession. When, when did athletic therapy come in then? After massage? No, right after. So I was, my cousin who was taking some college program, I don't even know what for. And she said, Hey, I'm doing like a wellness fair. Would you come and set up a booth for me? And I said, sure, I'll set up a booth. So I'm still in massage therapy and the booth beside me was Sheridan College's sports injury management program. And I started just talking, talking to the girl and I said, Oh, this is really cool. I'd like to get into that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, then I applied into the sports injury, got into the sports injury. It wasn't probably very difficult because I already had a degree. I was a massage therapist and they go, oh, here's a good candidate. Yeah. Cause that's an oversubscribed program. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't even know if it's called sports injury anymore. And so it was a similar process that you had to, uh, have a diploma or you had to be, you had, you had to go to a, a school that had a recognized program so you can write their provincial ex- not, it was national exams, not provincial exams. And then you became a, a certified athletic therapist. So I did that for, I, I let, let that lapse after a couple of years because the fees were high and I was really just doing massage therapy. Mm-hmm. But great education. So you combine all that, it was, like I said, I've, I've seen a lot. And then, and then after that, uh, it was like everything just sort of started to fall into place. And um, there was um, a guy who started a school up in Burlington. Uh, doesn't exist anymore. And um, it was really weird because the association used to, it used to be called the Ontario Massage Therapy Association of Ontario, the OMTA. And they used to have regional chapters, which I still think they have regional chapters. And they had sent, I wasn't part of it, but they had sent out a letter. It wasn't even, because the email didn't exist at the time. So they sent out a letter and they were concerned that the school was opening up in Burlington and it was going to saturate the market and there was going to be no jobs for anyone. What was the name of it? It was uh, Ontario no, it was um, Canadian Therapeutic. Canadian Therapeutic College. Canadian Therapeutic, yep. Yeah. And okay. so Kevin Sloan started the school. And it was funny because this letter, you know, they sent a letter and they're really concerned about the profession. But at the end of this letter, they said, 
oh, and the school's looking for instructors if you're interested. And I'm going, that's really bizarre. So I called him up. And I remember because I had been working right across the road from where he was starting up and he had called me and I had gone in and I was just wearing jeans. I said, I'm not really ready for an interview. And so he pretty well, he hired me on the spot and then uh, I helped start that program and run that program for nine years um, and then left and, and then helped start another school after that. So that's sort of my background to all this. And then, you know, in between all that, different jobs, different clinics, like I said, the assessment center was also interesting at the time. I called that my insurance rebate job because it paid so well. And uh, but the the uh, it, it, that was an, that was also an eye opener too because here you know I always call it the mystique of the medical profession, like that to become a doctor, like there's something special. And I just keep telling people we know not I'm not saying just as much as physicians, but we know a good portion of what physicians do. For sure. And I've worked with all sorts of different specialists: orthopedic surgeons, physiatrists, rheumatologists, and guess what? They do the same special tests that we do. So they just have a better knowledge of a specific area that they study. But outside of that, you know what? Their assessment skills weren't any better than or any worse than my assessment skills, if you want to put it that way. So this one guy was so funny. I love working with him. He loved cars. And so so you've got to hear, you got to realize that we hear all sorts of stories. So this guy comes in and he's telling the story and he starts telling, he said, uh, I was in a car accident in my Alfa Romeo. This physician asked more questions about the Alfa Romeo <laughs> than he did. <laughs> and so, but that guy was great. And so, and they did the same. Anyways, it was just it was an interesting time uh, to be part of that part of that. And so, you know, you move on, and and here we are now. We're we're talking about the profession. So, when you were you involved with two different schools, both private career colleges. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you think of the whole private career college. And how it's changed over the years? Because how, how many years were you involved with private career colleges? You said uh, you were at one place for 21. nine. So a little bit more than that. I just left uh, 2000. So from 1995, because we started up in 1995, to 2018. How many schools have you seen pop up since th that time? When I, okay, programs? so when I first started, I think there was four to six schools. Right. And I think we're over 24 schools now. Yeah. And some have come, and so not every, not all have survived. So some have, you know, the Southern Chan. I mean, still probably one of the best schools in, in the in the province. They always have great results um, because they have a standard that they adhere to. So the problem is, is massage therapy education is for profit, both at the private and the public. And you wait, you may say in public education, what do you mean for profit? No, they need students because they get grants from the government in order to run their programs. The more students they have, the more money they get. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, th and that's part of the problem. So if you look at, so I know you, you, you start talking about private. So we'll go to the private first. It's, it's interesting because for years I've been saying that they need third-party accreditation because there's some really bad schools out there. It's like really bad schools. So um, that, that's been a, a problem because if you have, so the, the, way, you be, the way you get a, a massage therapy school uh, or start a school, it's not difficult. You just have to have a bit of money behind you. Not a ton of money, but a bit of money because uh, the ministry, you have to follow all the steps if you can imagine, but you have to physically set the school up right. even before you can tell people what you're doing. So you set the, you physically set the school up, then you get approval to run, run the uh, school. So it's not that simple, but I'm just making it. So, so you, you get approval. And after that, if you can market really well and you don't really care how, about the profession, you can run a program if you're successful because uh, over the years, a lot of people 
pick schools based on geographical location. Oh, for sure. And they don't pick it based on if the school's good or the reputation's sure. good. So does the does the CMTO have anything to do or the, do they have any say about... I, if, to have your program registered with the ministry, the CMTO has nothing to do nothing. with that. Because I think a lot of people think that they do. Nothing. Their main mandate is protection of the public. Right. So uh, they have no say other than – so it's even a third party um, – might be different now, but a third party has to look at the curriculum to make sure how you propose how you're going to cover off that curriculum is going to be justified because the ministry can't be experts in every single program when you're trying to start a program. Right. So – so you have a third party. So third party comes in and says, "Yeah, you got you know you got the massage clinic rooms, you got all the supplies and everything. Let's take a look at your curriculum because everyone's just basically handed a curriculum and you divide that curriculum up. You chop it up any, any way you want. want. Yeah. And so there's a lot of schools that they they do things out of out of sequence. I, I've seen a lot. So uh, when I was with um, Ontario College of Health and Technology, we got transfer students from every single s- school around this area. They're all pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. They're all pretty bad. Um, and that's both private and 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 public. Um, we're too far away to get some of the better schools like Selin Chan, a transfer student from Selin Chan. But um, they're either over their head, they don't care, or they're just trying to make some a quick buck. Oh, for sure, a lot of them are. I mean, I've seen because I I was working at a private career college. I did that for about eight years, and you know, just everything from the admissions process and, you know, the lies that are fed yeah. to, to a prospective student about the program or about the profession or about, you know, that school's particular program. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. You know, it really is. It's completely unethical a lot of the times. Yeah. And you're right. And that's what happens. I mean, so someone comes in really polished, right? And, and I know other private career colleges, I can't forget the the name. They're, they don't exist um, anymore. It might've been CDI. Um, and the person they're a salesperson. And so if you came in, they had to meet goals and, and sign up, not just for the massage therapy program, but for any program. Yeah, they had their quotas they got to meet. They had quotas. And so if they if you came in and you said, I want for a medical office admin, and that particular campus didn't have medical office admin, it was their job to convince you then to go into something else. Yep, for sure. They had quotas that they, they have quotas that they have to meet for all the different programs for schools that have several different programs. Yep. They get bonuses if the student you know yep. stays in for X amount of time, like two, three months or whatever the case is. So I mean, uh, it's, it's just shady to begin with kind of it, it is shady and so um you know the the schools that i was i was involved in we we never we never saw them as as uh, funding units and and my goal was always to produce trying to produce the best therapist and it was always looking out for the profession and and there's there and i have a couple examples where you know uh what we can talk about I, i've had three complaints lodged against me uh over the years and uh, where the CMTO, you know, when we talk about the CMTO, they're, I mean, for the most part, I'm a proponent of the CMTO, but uh, at other times, I, I think that they're, they're a fearful organization. They used to be a more fearful organization than they are now. Um, we, we were always at the bottom of the uh, food chain. We're not at the bottom anymore of the regular health professions. And Where do you think we sit in the food chain? I think somewhere in the middle. Okay. Uh, Who's below us? Uh, I'd have to look at the list. There's like 26 on the on there, but I, I don't think. Well, kinesiologists because they're anyone who's brand new. So yeah. kins kins are, are not an easy target. But you you think that uh, there was a, there was a uh, you know a perception out there that we're going to get kicked out of the R, you know, the RHPA. So I heard that BS for for years. Oh, we got to do this. And so what I found is that the CMTO always seemed to go overboard. So I'll give you an example. Um, I've I've lodged a complaint against a, a physician before, 
and they deal with it almost immediately. They just say, oh, no, this is uh, – uh, so what happens is uh, a complaint comes in, um, and it comes into the Inquiries, Complaints, and Review Committee, and they have – they're basically your triage nurse, and they have to determine what to do with this thing. And so my complaint was basically they triaged it and said, ah, there's nothing here. Thank you very much for your complaint. Whereas the CMTO, they seem to it, it takes a long time for them to handle a complaint, and uh, some of the complaints you just shake your head and you go, I, I just don't understand uh, why they're t- either taking so long or how they're making decisions. Because the inquiries, complaints, and review committee can just dismiss it right away. Right. And I don't know how many complaints they come in, so it's not fair to be – completely critical of them, but from the complaints I've seen and the complaints I've dealt with, I just, uh, sometimes I shake my head and I'm going, this should have been, uh, you know, uh, you know, the person has, uh, so the complaint comes in and if you, if I complain against you as a massage therapist, you have, um, um, what's it, the time frame? you have, uh, 14 days to respond to it or 14 or 30 days to respond to it. And then the problem with the whole process, and this is set up by the regular health professions act, not the college of massage therapists is that if I complain against you, you get to provide a rebuttal, but I get to see what you said, and, and then, then I get, get to, to reply to that. And then, then you don't get to reply at all. Right. And so, and then, and they have to dismiss, you know, dismiss it within a certain time frame, and it takes just so long for them to go through this. And, and I just think, just deal with these complaints a lot quicker, and the inquiries, complaints, and review committee can deal with this, and they just seem to drag their feet, and they're scared to make a decision, I think, sometimes. So it's just... Uh, um, like I said, I'm, I'm not a, ripping on the CMTO completely, but they have to also clean up their act. I mean, if you go through their website, and they're slowly cleaning it up, um, but they're, they have mistakes in their, their website, and they, they hold the profession to this high degree of accountability. Who's holding them to a high degree of accountability? And, and you know, if we look at uh, probably the latest or the biggest misstep that happened in the profession was the sensitive area. Um, form and, and the section and, and where you had to get consent to either treat the breast tissue, chest wall, upper inner thigh, and gluteal region. All right. So let's back this up for, for everyone that's listening that's not you know familiar with what we're talking about. We have now a um, mandatory consent form that our patients have to sign here in Ontario for massage therapists to assess and treat certain parts of the body. And these parts of the body being anterior chest wall, breast tissue, gluteal region, and superior medial thigh. So those are the areas that they consider to be sensitive areas. And this originally was a position statement. It was a position statement. And so just so everyone has an idea what a position statement is, a position statement is not necessarily college policy. A position statement is the college's position on a certain topic. In other words, something that they've had enough inquiries about and they've decided we better publish something because enough people have asked, but we don't have a standard policy on this. This is our position. And the position has always been, or with all the position statements, it's been, this is the college's opinion. If you want to go with it, then that's great. And you don't have to, you know, go with their position. You can act differently. However, if you are ever questioned about it, be prepared to answer as to why you decided to not follow the, the position of college. So now this is college policy. And this came about, I'm assuming, shortly after September it came out, out in September of last year. So this but was before protecting patients act or after bill 87? It came after. Okay. And so it came in September, I'm going to say 17th of last year, 2017, somewhere around there. 
um, and and you're absolutely right. Uh, and the the problem with position statements, they have no legal exactly. There's no legal teeth to them. It's just their profession. It's just their position, and so they're just saying, you know, we're advising you. You probably should. This is how how you should be, you know, structuring your clinic. So they, they we've always had a sensitive area uh, consent form. I never used it because because um, we have something called the Healthcare Consent Act. Right. Consent is consent. So I'm not sure why we have to sexualize areas. I can sexualize any area of the body if I wanted to. And by signing a form, it's not going to protect anyone. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call out the profession on this one, though. And, and I'll tell you why I'm going to call it the profession. And I'll go back to the surveys when I said the surveys. So wait, you disagree with the, um, the, the consent form? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. But it's, part of the problem is, is the, the profession itself. They had their opportunity. So the CMTO sent out a draft form of what this is going to look like. And I had, I had a big problem with the draft because I, I, part of that draft was they, they, were, they were outlining when you can assess and treat these areas. So they were, no, they were pretty much saying only touch these areas or only even suggest that you're yeah. going to assess or treat these areas if this is here or this is here or this is here or this is here. In other words, taking away, you know, the autonomy for the patient or right. for the, for the clinician to decide, like, you know, right. what am I doing in these areas and why? But go ahead. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so they sent it out and they sent out a draft form. And they got a response, and I'm, I'm not—I can't remember off the top of my head because it's, it's, it's between 2,500 and 3,000 people responded right. out of 14,000. They barely changed that draft form. Hardly anything changed. And part of the reason was—and I'll go to the sensitive areas—and and again, I'm just—I'm from what I can remember, I haven't looked it up. But on that survey, when we we're talking about getting consent uh, for those sensitive areas, it was like 40-something percent opposed it, and they only had. Not even a third, no, wait, whatever my math is, like 20% of the, not even 20%, 15% of the profession even reply to this. So then you fast forward to the the initiation of this and, and they, all of a sudden they just, it almost as they sprung it on the profession and said, oh, this is what we're going to be doing. And the, and the RMTs are going, what? And they sent out a petition. I don't know if you, if you saw that yeah, petition. Saw petition. Over 14,000 people signed it. And I said... Uh, guys, a little too late. Yeah, too where, late. W- yeah, where were you to give the CMTO feedback? But what pissed me off about the CMTO is that they hardly changed the draft. And when they came out with, and and you have to realize, this is this is our governing body, and they've changed their forms now. But when they and their forms were up there for a, a good six months, what their consent form specifically said, I give blank therapist, ABC therapist, the consent or the permission to touch, not to treat or assess, to touch. And then you had to check off my breasts, Mm -hmm. upper inner thigh, gluteal, and chest wall. So who in their right mind is going to sign a form that says, I give consent to touch my breasts? It's not even, it's not even professional. And, And this is what I have problems. I mean, if you go through the CMTO's website, there are mistakes within the CMTO. Yeah. And there are, are mistakes in their forms. And, and so they've put this as a standard of practice. The standards of practice haven't been updated forever. And uh, so you got the standards of practice. They put this as a standard of practice. It's not written like any other standard. It's 17 pages. Mm-hmm. All the other standards are one or two pages. This is seven, And it's not even the same format. Why the hell is it in the standards of practice? Yeah. 
it's not even in the consent section. And then you got acupuncture in there now on top of that too. So you got acupuncture and the special areas consent or consent, and then you have all the other standards of practice. It makes no sense from an uh, organizational standpoint. So I blame the profession. I blame the CMTO from doing such a lousy job of, of rolling this out. I want to ask you again about blaming the profession. Do you think that the CMTO does these things, the surveys and stuff, one, they have to because they're an organization, but do they actually, do you think they actually even care about the feedback or this is just formality? We got to check off the box that says we surveyed our members about anything that we're, anything new we're going to do or any changes we're going to make. We don't really care about the feedback that's coming in. Hmm. Check box. We've done this because I went to the focus groups when they were doing revamping the quality assurance program. And so those focus groups happened in February and, you know, they started it off with the self assessment tool. And, you know, in yeah. the focus group, they're like, yeah, it's a working model. This is, you know, we're looking for feedback on this. And then when they came out with it, absolutely no different yeah. than, than what they were showing the focus groups in February, despite whatever feedback they were getting. So do you think it's just like, hey, we got to check off the box? I think, I think it's a, I think it's a checkbox. And I, I think they were probably relieved when when you got the special uh, special consent. I think they were really relieved that only 2,500 to 3,000 responded and only 40% had a problem with it. So you really reduce that number now to, yeah. you know, uh, say 1,500 to 1,000 to 1,500. And you're going to go, okay, that's not a mandate to not go ahead with this. So right. <clears throat> I think on some respect, they're, they're probably happy because they, they get to push through what they, their policy is. So that's how you blame the profession for not speaking out when these things are there for you to speak out. Could you imagine if, if 14,000 massage therapists all would have responded and said no? And when, when it was, because they broke it up into the different areas. And if, and it, if it actually came to the wording and what you had to get consent for, and it overwhelmingly said 80%, and the, then the CMTO went, went ahead and did this anyways, basically thumbing their nose at the profession and saying, we're going to tell you what to do, they would have had a big problem. But because no one gave them the response, they had free reign to do whatever they want because basically they had less than ten percent of the profession who said no to it. Basically, so it, so it, it is a it is a profession's fault. They massage therapists have to take an active role in this profession and not just oh okay. Because I've seen the other thing I've seen over the years is so funny because um, you know probably about fifteen years ago. I tried to set up um, a continuing education membership or a club. So for $10 a year, not a month, $10 a year, and that was just to cover off costs, not to make money. Because the other thing, too, is what drives me crazy, I think, I think there's a lot of people who are trying to make money off the backs of massage therapists. So for $10 a year, so you would get six two-hour free seminars and we'd bring in guest speakers, which you'd be able to count as one CEU. Right. So for $10, you get six of your CEUs. It said for you know that you need to get ten if you have to average it out. So right there you have six, and then ten percent off of every course that we were going to offer. So ten dollars. How many do you think signed up? Eighty. Oh yeah. Eighty people, and we went to conferences. We spent about twenty thousand dollars trying to promote this, and we couldn't get anyone to sign up. Who's we? When we were at the uh, the college okay. college, and we also had so we put money into a system where you would log in, and so Mark, you'd log into your account, and you'd be registered for the course. It would give you a description of the course. It'd tell you how many hours, tell you how many CUs, and you would have a record of it there. And you wouldn't have to. Where's my record? What did I do? Everything would be stored for you. And we got ten dollars. And and we I remember we were at conferences and and get hardly anyone to stop by and talk to us. We had we did demos at our uh, you know to show the type of things that we'd be offering. Nah, they weren't interested. 
And 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 we used to have people call up and they say, "Oh my God, my cycle's almost up, and I'll take any Con Ed course." What do you mean you would take any Con Ed course? Yeah. And don't even. I mean, that's a great jumping off point for Con Ed courses because I think there's so many people who are ripping off massage therapists and offering crap Con Ed courses. All right, so whoa, we got so many things floating around. All right, before we float, <clears throat> before we float into this, then going back to the um, the consent for sensitive areas. Tell me what you don't like about it other than the wording of the standard and then how the standard is just feels like it's really misplaced and disorganized. Sure. So, so I, um, I mean, I'll clear on it. The CMTO did change the wording. Right. And they combined. They used to have two assess- – they had an assessment and a treatment. They combined it into one. We have something called the Healthcare Consent Act. Yes. I, I'm not aware of any other profession that has to get special consent to do something that's within their scope of practice. Right. And the CMTO even says, like, uh, our policy on consent for these areas trumps the healthcare consent act. Yeah, it does. It does, which is which I can't believe that they would say, basically what they're saying to the profession, Mark, I don't trust you as a massage therapist yeah. because I think you're going to sexually abuse someone. In my, in my opinion, that's what they're saying. We think you're – and if we give you this form – we know that we're somehow protected. That's a lot of BS. If if I'm a sexual predator out there, I'm not going to have you sign the form. Yep. I don't I don't care about you signing a form or not. Like, agree. That's ridiculous. So, um, and the person's going to say, well, you know, d- did you get special consent? Special consent? What? I know I'm going to sexually abuse this person. Why would I get special consent? Why would I even Why would I even alert them that I need special consent? So to think that someone's going to use special consent, is, what a, what a load! Of, what a, what a, what a crap! Mm-hmm. What a crock! It's it just, it's a, it's a false sense of security. The one that stood out for me when I was reading, because I, you know, as, as when they did that survey, and fourteen thousand people replied, and I, I started reading some of them. The one that stood out for me wasn't the massage therapist and how outraged they were and blah blah blah. Was a patient, and she was said she was sexually abused by someone, and it stood out for me because she said when she would tell people, they didn't believe her. They thought somehow she was to blame mm-hmm. for being uh, sexually assaulted by a massage therapist. So she said, if now I sign that form, I, I'm basically giving them permission now to also sexually abuse me. She said, so this is even harder for me to understand why they would have me sign a form. I'm making this face because I never thought of it from that angle before. Where you should now, have seen how, how this, uh, I wish I would have saved it. She she wrote it so beautifully. I never thought of it from that angle where, 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 where now that person has less to stand on because they've signed a consent form saying that, yeah, you can, you can treat my you, breast. You can treat this area. And, and so what happens with that therapist who convinces a person the risks, the side effects, the benefits, and they tell them why treatment is indicated. They convince the person, because there is a power imbalance. Yep. Think about it. There's a power imbalance. And so you convince a person that you want to treat their breasts. And the person goes, oh, I'm not really comfortable, but sure, I'll, I'll, I'll sign this consent form. And that person walks at sort of that fine line. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't see a reason when we have something called the Healthcare Consent Act that you need a special consent because we're supposed to be healthcare professionals yeah. and trust the profession to do the right thing. CMTL, I think they dropped the ball on this one. I, I, I think they went down the wrong path thinking that they can check up, I'll go back to yours, check a box and say, oh, look what we're doing as a profession and hold us up and, and look at look at the standards that we adhere to. That's BS. How familiar are you with uh, Bill 87? Uh, which one's Bill 87? Pro- Protecting Patients Act. I uh, just read it over briefly. Cause... So does, does, does in that act state that regulated healthcare professionals, like the, the governing bodies, have to be completely transparent in terms of allegations? Uh, from what I remember, I don't recall that. So this is something that collectively all the colleges are just doing. They get to do this. They get to implement it as they see fit, from what I recall. 
So this is a CMTO thing. So if we back this up, just so everyone that's listening has an idea of what we're talking about, anytime there's a complaint made to, say, the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario, essentially they have their complaints process that happens. And the details of you know the complaint are not really made public unless there's a decision coming from the college that the person is found guilty of whatever they're being accused of. Yeah, it has of. to go to discipline. If it goes to discipline, those are made public. Right. Only if it goes to discipline committee. And so now what is happened is that all sexual allegations are now being made public mm. mm-hmm. are they yes it's not even a, a, a guilty from from a deci- from the decision uh, okay I was this aware of committee that. yeah if you jump onto the website one of the first things you'll see are all the sexual abuse allegations oh geez that's and that's a lot of this started if you if you guys remember you know many years back what was happening where the media actually kind of spun this completely out of control, where there were a handful of medical doctors that were being accused of sexually abusing patients. And when the media gets a hold of that, and the media doesn't either understand the the process of dealing with a complaint at the college level, or they don't care to make a story out of it, then they spin it as these doctors, they're covering for each other. Right. Everyone should know if this doctor is, you know, touching a patient inappropriately and that way the public can decide, do I want to see this doctor sure. or not? But if that information is not known, you know, I can't. So they, they spun it to, to be like, Hey, doctors are protecting each other. You know, the public needs to know this kind of stuff. And so then I, I noticed that there has been a massive change where people slowed down their complaints to the college about sexual abuse and then went straight to the authorities instead. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a huge thing that's happened. Yeah. And, and with the, it's, it's interesting you said the College of Physicians and Surgeons because they handle complaints a lot different. I mean, you can have sex with a patient, and there's there's a physician in I think it's the Hamilton area. She's actually in prison, and and I don't know if she's coming out yet, and I can't remember what she did because it was in the paper a couple months ago. She still has her license to practice. So you go to prison, and it, it wasn't it, it was related to her profession, and I don't know if it was sexual abuse. Right. She. She can come out, and I think there's a two-year suspension of her license or something like that after she comes out. I don't remember all the details. But the fact is that the College of Physicians and Surgeons still think it's okay that she operates as a physician. Well, the CMTO used to be like that. I mean, uh, when I used to teach and I used to do our ethics course, you know, we'd go through some of the decisions oh, from yeah. the website. Oh, yeah. And I was just kind of thrown back. Like some of the stuff where you'd think that this would be like an immediate revocation of your license, it was kind of like, you know, here's a six-month suspension and it's it, and it's brought down to three if you, if you take you this, this yeah. course. And I was just kind of like, they, they talk big on this, but when it comes down to it, didn't seem like that at all. Yeah, as long as uh, as long as they 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 check the, those boxes. But you know, there was there was a case. I'll I'll talk because this is a, a an interesting segue into one of the complaints at the school. Uh, one of our students. It was bordering on sexual abuse of of a, a patient or a client that came into the public clinic. We removed him from uh, the school, and he complained to the he lodged a complaint to the CMTO. My name's there. Any any massage therapist at the school that was associated with him got a complaint. And this was and what? What is that complaint? Well, I'll tell you. So this was my this was my third complaint. My, my first complaint, you first time you get a complaint, you go, oh my god, this is a big deal. Third complaint, I'm going, okay, I know how this game is played. So I get the complaint, and he started to outline things like we're not storing records properly. We're so it was all procedural stuff. Right. And uh, an investigator came down, and so I talked to the investigator. And, uh, I just said, um, 
I'm, I'm not going to respond to any of these complaints. And I said, because I, I requested it to go to discipline. I go, send me to discipline because I want to tell you about this. So it's on record. If he goes to another college that he's flagged now and he can do his exams, but when it comes time to register, you can haul him in front of the discipline committee and go, right. uh, you've had these things against you. So I, um, I asked to go to discipline and uh, the the investigator knew exactly what was going on, and and I get this letter back to say that yeah we can't take this complaint anywhere because I I basically said I'm not going to respond to any of these allegations and and you can send me to discipline and then they said you know due to my cavalier attitude they they call my attitude cavalier and I'm thinking. I'm trying to protect the profession. Don't you understand? There's a predator who's trying to get into our profession. That's what I mean is that CMTO sometimes is misguided in, in, in their thinking. So, uh, and this, and this little piece of paper that you signed, is not going to, it's not going to stop sexual abuse. It's not, it's not have a dent in it. It will not have a dent in sexual abuse. They, if they think it is they're they're, they're sadly mistaken. And if they could say, well, look at all our sexual abuse uh, problems have gone, gone away. No, nah, I don't believe it. I, I just don't believe this is going to do anything with the CMTO, but um, they, they do a lot of good. They're, they're not, so wait, wait, that was your third complaint. What were the other two? The other two, that was it. The first complaint was really interesting. Uh, the lady who complained, she had mental health issues. So, and my beef was never with her. She's mentally ill. She was paranoid. She thought um, she wanted them to build a a wall around Hamilton to keep certain people out. This is the, like, this is, this is the level that she was operating at. Yeah, yeah. And, um, she came in, I hadn't seen her for a while and she came in and she, she said, I need you to sign this disability certificate. And she, on the, she wanted me to sign this disability certificate. And I said, I can't, it's not within my scope of practice. I can't say it. And, uh, she lodged a complaint with the CMTO. And, and so this is what I mean that the inquiry's complaints could have just said, it's not within his scope. He didn't do anything wrong. Instead, they dragged it out, and you should have seen the bizarre recordings that and the and the transcripts that they had of her. She was calling out to the CMTO, and she she would have these bizarre conversations with them, which they all they they transcribed and everything. And so, uh, in the end, they wouldn't make a decision. And I uh, contacted the inquiries complaints. No, sorry, the uh, so there's an, there's an organization or there's another organization that sits outside of all the regulated colleges, yep, yep. health health professions. Were, were, um, Appeal and Review Board. And so I contacted them and they basically looked at all the information and they forced the CMTO to make a decision. And the deadline was August 30th. And on August 29th, they sent me a registered letter on August 20th. They waited right to the very end. Mm -hmm. And again, I got a slap on the wrist type of thing. And I thought... Okay, I'm not sure what I was supposed to do in there. So, so, and the second complaint was also a, uh, my association with the other school. By the nature of, of my position, I had to had to respond, and so right, right, right. Uh, it hadn't it had nothing to do. But uh, I always tell you know when I was involved with education, I always told students, you will get it. someone in this class will get a complaint lodged against them, and usually they, then they'll give you a call up and say, no, oh my God, Nick, I have a complaint. What do I do? And I just said, take a deep breath, and just if you did nothing wrong. Don't worry about it. There, nothing's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You just have to jump through the hoops, and it, it, but it hangs over your head, right? So this, you have this thing hanging over your head, which is which is really difficult. So, I, like I said, I, I don't have necessarily. It may sound like I have a huge problem, but I don't have a problem with it. I just I just think 
they also need to clean up some of the stuff that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you you were going to get into it about uh, continuing education then. Oh yeah. So the con. Ed- so what do, what do you think of the the new quality assurance program? Because I haven't been, I, I'm I'm not exactly up to date on all the quality assurance. I know they've removed some of the reporting on how they're doing it. And so if you want to, I'm not 100. So we used to in Ontario have a continuing education unit cycle that was a three year cycle, and in that cycle you'd have to complete a total of 30 continuing education unit credits where every two hours of instruction or two hours of education was the equivalent to one credit. And um, in that three-year cycle, you were also required to complete a self-assessment tool. And the self-assessment tool, just like the way it sounds, you know, you determine areas of weakness and then create some sort of... Actually, I don't even think you have to do anything beyond just identify areas of weakness. And now they've changed it. And they've changed it to model after kind of what physiotherapists do. College of kinesiologists does it the same way, where they don't have numbers, they don't have cycles, they have an annual self-assessment tool, and then along with that is annual mandatory education produced by the college. My problem with the CMTO's self-assessment tool, it's Mickey Mouse. I'm also registered kin. Our self-assessment tool that we have to do annually is night and day compared to what the CMTO has us do. And that's shocking because it's a brand new college. And I was I was blown away. As soon as I saw the, the CMTOs, what they were working with, and, and again, this is from what they showed at the focus groups, and it didn't change. And these 15 Mickey Mouse points, and very little of it is like foundational knowledge, I was like kind of blown away by this. I'm like, you're, 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 asking, you're asking your members to self-evaluate, and you're not giving them, in my mind, solid things to evaluate themselves against. I'm not surprised at that because their documentation that they usually produce on their first and second try is terrible. The CMTO that that is. So mm-hmm. I'm not surprised at uh, at that they're so you have to ha- how many how many units or what do you have to do in a in a given year? So now you have to identify you have to create I believe it's three different action plans. So using self-assessment tool, um, identify at least three areas that are problematic for you and then create an action plan around that with a deadline um, as to when you are going to complete this whatever action plan that you create how to bring yourself up to speed on whatever you identify that you're lacking in. So if I said communication, for instance, is my is, is, a, is an area that I need to work on, and if I decided to watch 10... 10 TED Talks on communication. Would that satisfy? I don't think they have a measure of that you're satisfying it or not. I mean, this is all just your documentation. You're creating this goal, oh, okay. this goal for yourself. You're creating this action plan, and then this is the deadline for it. I don't know how they, if they, what they do with that information once you've once you've done that. It's interesting because I wonder if they went through the years and they and they and they they're probably thinking we can't verify any of the the courses really anyone can take because. I can go and create a certificate for some bogus course that I took and, and no one's going to be like, they don't have, like think of all the members. They don't, they don't have the manpower to, to check, to see if you were actually in that course. Exactly. And I can, so maybe they're going, it's really an effort in futility. And so we just want to ensure that they're staying on track. And if they want to cheat the system, let them cheat the system. They're really only cheating themselves. Mm-hmm. But you're saying is the tools that they're giving us to do it is, is pretty lame. Yeah. It's very Mickey Mouse. It sounds like they're going down the right path, but Again, execution is not their strong suit. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah, yeah, not surprising. Um, and, and maybe not a bad thing because um, what I was saying before is that I, I think there's a lot of people who are ripping off massage therapists who are, who are giving, the, the, you know, uh, the self-proclaimed experts in our profession. Mm-hmm. And they're charging a lot of money for courses that aren't very good at all. Um, so I, th- I think that's a good thing. We, we did, uh, at, at, even at the school, we, 
offer a couple times we'd offer free workshops because I think I've acquired a bit of knowledge over the years and I don't mind sharing with you. I, I don't need to make, yeah. you know, $800 or $1,000 or $1,500 in a weekend. Right. So at what point do we just start giving back and sharing with the, the profession? And so I, I, I never understood stood that and you know it's bad enough that massage therapists give way too much of their money away for uh when they're working the percentage uh you know when you're you're looking at i i would bet most massage therapists give away between 30 and 40 percent of their their wages oh for sure and and even that i think is crazy so you think about the con ed that they were used to get ripped off for they're getting ripped off by people that they're working for it could be it could be massage therapists ripping off massage therapists chiros or physios or it could just be someone who owns a clinic and and the profession needs the profession needs to grow a bit of they, they need a backbone and they need to be a bit stronger and i think that's coming i think that's coming but there's still a lot of weak members out there. and, and uh, Define, Define weak members. Passive. They're passive and they just go along and they'll just go to their clinic. And uh, I think, you know, I, I, I told you before that try to set up a clinic, give, get, you know, massage therapists can keep 90% of what they make. And I only want 10% to basically run the clinic, staff it, sheets, laundry, mm-hmm. charting, all that was included and couldn't get anyone to move their practice. They're quite happy giving away an extra 20 or 30% because they're comfortable in their settings, and that's what I mean passive. And so we're not a very strong voice. We're not a very strong voice. Collectively, we're not a very strong... And I'm not saying there's there's, there's members out there who are are very opinionated and and very uh, strong-willed, if I want to put it that way. But I I say on the whole, nah, we're pretty passive. It's a a passive group that you're dealing with. And so uh, no wonder that, you know, the CMTO rams down a sensitive area and everyone just goes, oh, okay. And then they they try and, after the fact, after the, you know, the horses have been let out of the the barn, you're trying to then, you know, corral them all and put them back. Too late. Mm -hmm. It's too late. And and this is going to continue to happen over the years until – they stand up. And then part of the problem is, is that we don't have a strong voice. We, we, we don't have enough people belonging to the RMTAO and they have their own problems. So you got, you got uh, a, a college that can, has a mandate to pretty well do whatever they want. Cause you just saw that with the focus group, yeah. you know, they go through the focus group or the sensitive area. And then you have a, um, uh, the RMTAO that probably has less than half of the members and um much less than half much less than half and you're trying to run an organization on with volunteers and everything it's just just really really hard they don't have the the budget to to do things i i've talked to um, the rmto over the years especially being with education and i said it should be like every brand new student who registers with a school doesn't matter private they should automatically be registered with the rmtao because it's free it's free as a student. You should get every student member free, hands down. And and if if you put it to them right now, they'd say, oh, we do have that. But the onus is on the school to try and sign everyone up, whereas the onus should be on the RMTO to go out and reach out to all these schools and say, I want to sign up all your students. How can I make that easier for you to sign up my students? And you just can't say, well, here's a portal. Tell every every student to go in and sign up. That's not the, the answer. So almost have to make it part of the registration process where the person registers and they sign off on some sort of thing to say that, yeah, you can share my information or something, something easier to grab this chunk of data. All these students, you know, the thousand plus students that enroll in the massage therapy program every year and they automatically get transferred over to the RMTAO. I'm making it sound really simplistic, mm-hmm. but that's where that's where it needs to start. Yeah. And uh, they again, they have their own challenges as well. 
Um, as you know, I mean, I'm also part of a, a company that offers online charting, and we've been trying to get our their members to get a discount, and they will have nothing of it. So um, my mind is, my, my wife's a teacher, and all the discount programs that they have, doesn't matter if there's competitors or not, they just outline all the programs and it's up to the members to decide what they want to take. So mm-hmm. there's always a, there's always a discount for Rogers or, or Talis or Fido. It doesn't really matter. There's always like cellular plans and everything. You go with, with whatever you want to go with. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not sure where that comes from, but like I said, this, the RMTO needs to be a stronger voice. And, and the way we get a stronger voice is if, if they get more members. Part of the thing is that people don't see value of it. They, they don't see any value of joining. Like, what am I going to get for my membership? It's true. And I'm not sure why uh, Lackner and McLennan aren't part of the RMTA. They might be now. I'm not sure. No. But why are they not part of the the package? Because you've signed a deal with this other insurance company? Majority massage therapists are Lackner and McLennan. Isn't that, a, isn't that obvious then bring Lochner and McLennan into the RMTO? To me, that makes – like I'm not sure why we can't marry those two up because that's, that's what m- most massage therapists are concerned about their liability insurance. And most of them go with Lochner and McLennan because they go, I can go to Lochner and McLennan and only, I only have to pay my premiums for a year. And I don't have to belong to the RMTO. You ne- we need a strong voice, and that's been part of it for years. You know, I was around when it wasn't HST, it was GST. We had a weak voice. I mean, you got physiotherapists and chiropractors. Oh, they don't have to charge HST or GST at the time. Massage therapists. Why was massage therapists thrown on that side of the curve to say that we we had uh, to charge GST? And now we need five provinces, five uh, regulated provinces before we can even consider changing that to the HST. So stupid. And part of it is because we had a really weak voice in the RMTO at the, at the time was the OMTA. So that um, it is important to have a have a really strong voice in the RMTAO, and they need to do a better job at, at that. And it starts with the students, and it starts with getting out there. But if you you know, I don't know if Andrew's still around. I don't know if he's still the president. But if you talk to Andrew, he'll just say there's there's not enough hours in the day for him to do to do everything. Yeah, we had Andrew on the podcast actually, and he was he was talking about all the stuff that they do, and he's like, yeah, you know what, we do a lot for the profession, and this is stuff that most people probably don't even know that what we do and like he just kind of laid it out and whose fault is that then it's this big circle it's big circle so he'd say well the information's on the website we know people aren't going to dig through a website that's probably it's outdated i mean the last uh update to that website was about five years ago six years ago sorry it's updated outdated but then you don't have the hours and the manpower to to update the website and the content and the look of the website so no one's going to dig through that information it's it's a it's a very big catch-22 the whole thing oh yeah and there's there's no way to dig out of that I mean, unless like you're suggesting, you you find a way to, you know, inject a mass population into it, and that's going to come from students. Students, grassroots. You got to start. You got to start with the students because the ones that you know, the ones that have been practicing. If I'm still practicing, I'm not even considering the RMTAO. Why would I want to join? Especially if I'm near the end, I'm not going to want to join the RMTAO. So you got you have to you have to realize that that part is missing. Like you're not going to get those. You're not going to bring those people back. Might get a few, but you're not going to bring them back. So you got to start fresh with a new batch coming in and i I think that that, that's that's an opportunity for them and they're they're missing that so it's it's unfortunate i know andrew works pretty hard and it's it's a pretty big task but you can't do it with one person or two or three people on on you know staff and they got a pretty small budget to to work with so hard hard uphill battle to fight and they lost so when he took over he's he's moved it quite a bit but i know when he he took over uh it was Almost, completely decimated the OMTA 
on uh, the Terramosoft Service Association, and he's, he's brought it up to some sort of degree of respectability, but prior to that, I, I mean, it barely existed. It barely existed. It was on life support. Um, but it, uh, it it needs, we need a strong voice. We need to be more active in the profession if we, if we want to we want to move the profession and you know it, it starts with you know the cmto maybe doing a bit better of a job and listening to the members the members themselves being not so passive the rmto being a strong voice mm-hmm. and then it comes back to what you're saying with with education and the standards so they're trying to clean that up with accreditation yep. but you know we we have this notion we have terrible private colleges out there and private colleges get a bad rap all the time but we, likewise we have really bad public uh, institutions. Yeah, tell me about this. So the public institutions, which drive me crazy, um, and one in our area, Mohawk College, they got a terrible program. And um, on the surface, you could say they don't care about the profession at all because they're, they're packed with students. So anywhere from 70, 80 students. That's a lot of people to teach. That is, yeah. You've taught, you, like, you know, to effectively teach all those people and you can break them up. And this isn't, when I say it's a terrible program, I'm not necessarily going right after the instructors. What I'm telling them, I've seen Mohawk. I'm, I'm going a level higher. I'm going as high as Mohawk College organization does not care about the massage therapy profession. Because if they did, they'd realize that they can't teach effectively, you know, 80 students or whatever, how many students they, t- they take a year and how many they send. If you look at their results <clears throat> from last year, 2017, the last published results, they're OSCE results, that's the practical, and their written results are like in the 50s and 60s. Wow. And it hasn't changed that much since they've had the program. And for a year, for their program, and I don't even know how they did this because um, a couple of years ago, we were trying to help uh, another school in Toronto get their massage, another private school. We're helping another private school um, try and get the massage therapy program. So they were a private college and they want to add the, the massage therapy program. And they were having nothing but bad luck and they spent a ton of money. And so I said, sure, I'll put a proposal for it. I'll help you. I'll put a proposal together. And we charged them like next to nothing because you felt bad for them. And so you put a proposal together. And it was at the time when they were changing the, the competencies document or the, if you want to call it the core curriculum, They're, the competence, the massage therapists, the college of massage therapists, were, they were changing. And so I had submitted it off that old document. And when it went to the third party, they said, this is the old document. We have a new document. So reject it. So then we rewrote it for them under the new document, and they got approved. Mohawk College was after that, and Mohawk College got approved on that old document. Whoa. And the only reason I know that, because up until six months ago, they still had that old document on their web, boasting on, the, on how their program was set up by these competencies, by these professionals, and click on the PDF, and it referred to this 2005-2006 document. And you go, how does a public institution have how did they get approved on an older curriculum? And we've had, we had transfer students from that, from that program when I was with Ontario college and we had people go through almost the whole program and you would think that they're at semester one. Uh, the level of education they're getting is really poor and it's reflective on their, on the, on the pass rates, yeah. on their stats. And so this is, I'm not, I'm not speaking of something that I don't know of. I had enough transfer students with their stats and knowing that they're, they're teaching because, because you, you, you would, you would sit down with them and say, tell me how they're teaching the program. And in my mind, I'd go, that's how we taught it 15 years ago. So they're, they're not even up to date on what they're doing. So instead of calling, for instance, they're, instead of calling them OSCEs, they're calling them oral practicals. And it's that kind of t- 
terminology that they're still using, and you go, oh, they're they're so outdated. So you think, oh, bricks and mortar, Mohawk College, they're going to look after my my uh, my education, and everything. No, they don't, they, don't, they they get funding for the number of students that come through that program, so they need the students in the program. Mm-hmm. Keep them in as long as you can, and you get the funding dollars from the uh, Ontario government. A portion comes from federal. I think some transfers come from federal, but most of it comes from provincial grants that they get per student, and they got to keep the keep them in the profession. And students might not even be suitable for the program. Much like when we talked about the salesmen, right, of the private colleges, they're not doing anything different. Yeah. They're running it as a business, and people go, no, that's not true. Yeah, it's true. And if you're really going to look at a program, don't, don't, the very first thing that they should be doing is looking at the certification results. Not, oh my God, is this school really close and my friends are going there? Okay, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go, like, think about it. They have a lot of high school students. It's a hard program for high school students. Yes. It's a really hard program Definitely for is. high school students. So could you imagine, you're coming out of high school and then you go, oh, hey, Mark, where are you? Oh, you're an engineer in Mohawk. Well, I'm going to go into uh, massage therapy. Isn't that great? And we're going to be, uh, you know, our friendship from high school is going to carry on. But they have a terrible program for mm-hmm. massage therapy. Why would you go to Mohawk College for massage therapy? So you got, you have this playing into it as well. And so I'm not sure what they're going to do when they fail three times, either the OSCE component or the multiple choice, because I'd be really surprised if Mohawk's going to support them. So we used to get, a, uh, not a lot, but we get a handful of students that failed at the, uh, the OS, either the OSCE or the written. And for people who don't know this, you're allowed to, conf- you're allowed to fail one, of, you're not allowed. If you fail one of the components three times, even if you've passed, so if you pass the OSCE and you fail the, the multiple choice three times, you got to do the whole thing all over again. And we'd have a student, we'd have a number of students who would transfer over and we'd help them. You actually now have to obtain another diploma. Yeah, you do. So before it was kind of weird because their website was always all over the place. Like it there is. was one section that said you would have to obtain another diploma. And there was another section that said you would just have to do upgrading and you yep. can show proof of upgrading and then you're good to rock and roll. And they've they've gotten rid of that now. So now you definitely do have to yeah. obtain another diploma. So Mark, if you would, if you had gone to another school and you failed three times, what we would do? I'd sit down with you and I'd say, I'm giving you academic, and I'm going to give you financial credit for all these courses. You need to come back to our school for a semester, mm-hmm. and I would tell our program, and you would get another diploma from us. Right. So we were allowed to give academic and financial credit, and so we would basically tailor a program for you and your needs and sort of where you're you're. Um, you're having problems, so that wasn't wasn't difficult. But again, the CMTO wasn't wasn't not even clear on the process, as you were saying. So yeah. it was very difficult. Now it's I that's I know several students that had failed, you know, because we do an OSCE prep uh, course at Con Ed Institute, the other half of what we do, two massage therapists and a microphone, and so we get a lot of people that have failed their OSCEs several times. It's funny the OSCE because that's a really easy portion. Yeah. So when we're, what we're doing at the, when I was with Ontario College is that we embedded every single OSCE station within the program that similar to what CMTO was doing. And so every semester, students would go down to the CMTO and they would, you know, you'd be talking to other students and they'd be going, we've done two OSCEs in our whole program. And you'd go, how could you possibly do two OSCEs? I think you were telling me of one program where they didn't even massage. Oh, this this is what I was getting at. So, yeah, so because um, if you fail several times or whatever the case is, you have to go get another diploma. I know people who have failed and they just, they need some upgrading. They didn't, you know, close enough to passing. I mean, like high 60. And when they walk into that private career college, that private career college just sees dollar signs, right? Yeah. It's like, you know what? We can upgrade you, but 
I think you need to take the whole thing over yeah. again. So this is the only thing we're going to do for you. We're yeah. only going to take the whole thing over again. Yeah, we never did that. So I never took that approach. I said, you, you, you already have an education, regardless of where you've come from. And let's try and bring you up to speed so you, you will be successful for that program. So they do. But I don't think the, the community colleges, at least Mohawk, I don't think they're equipped to dealing with all their failures that they're going to be having over the years. And it's going to come. It's, it's going to be happening because if you think that they have, uh, you know, basically a 60% success rate, which mm-hmm. is way below provincial average, you're going to have a, a bunch of people. Either they just don't go back into the profession. There was another school down, and I don't remember the school, just down the the um, QW here. And they had a small class of, say, eight students. Uh, only one passed. And I think of the seven remaining, one came over to us to, and we helped her and, and she was successful. And I think the other five just never pursued it. I know exactly what you're talking about. So could you imagine going through the whole massage therapy program? I think that's what's going to happen with a percentage of Mohawk grads. They're just not going to pursue it. They're going to say, oh yeah, okay, I spent my, and it's not because people go, oh, it's only $5,000 a year. It's not because there's a whole bunch of ancillary fees that the community colleges hide and then you you put a, a cost of lost income and everything. It's a lot of money that you're losing uh, by going to you know going to either a community college, a crappy community college, or a crappy private career college. It doesn't matter which one. Uh, usually the crappy ones are are out for one thing, and that's to make money. If I was sitting right now, the president of Mohawk College, I'd have no problem debating him about. I'd say ethically, what you're doing to the profession is wrong. You don't, you do not care about massage therapy profession. If you did, your program would be a lot better. You've had a number of years to upgrade it, and your and your marks are not, your success rates are not moving from the three or four years that you've been operating your call, or the three or four years of stats that we have to look at. You don't care, or they don't even know. It's not even on their radar because at the end of the day, at the bottom line, we say, oh, we're still getting the same numbers. That's all that matters. Yep. It's unfortunate. It's, it's it's like you were mentioning that, that there's that one particular school in one of our OSCE prep courses. This guy came for OSCE prep. He failed a bunch of times. He failed twice. He was on his last legs there. And he's like, I've never, like my exam was the first time I ever touched somebody. I'm like, what? You have a you have a diploma. He's like, yep, from a school. He's like, yep, private career college. I'm like, you've never massaged anyone ever. He says, nope. He says I, that I place you can you can pay to get a lot of stuff done. That same that same place actually. When I was leaving the school that I was at, there were a handful of students that didn't want to stay there um, after I left, and I I advised not to do that. But anyway, they they went to this other particular place. They had about I can't remember if it was either seven or nine months left of their program. And this one particular school said, no problem. We can get you done in two months. And they came back and said, we can, we can finish in two months. I'm like, how is that possible? Yeah. You have seven to nine months of, yeah. of education left. How, how is, and they did, they, they finished it in two months. So interesting. It's insane. But there's, there is, uh, the education is, is a big component. Um, and, you know, not having to do any massage when you're in a massage program. I just don't. I don't know how they get away with it. They're gonna. They're gonna have to answer when accreditation comes through. Yes, which is good. And so hopefully it'll weed out some of these these weaker these weaker schools. And you know I see some of the schools. I don't. I don't know how they exist on on six six students. There was a one of our our neighbors. Uh, we have a family cottage, and one of our neighbors up there, um, the granddaughter is took a massage therapy program in Kitchener. Um, her class was party of two. Mm. I'm not sure how you have a class of two people. Because if one person's missing, fifty percent of the class is missing. Yeah. You're not really getting a an enhanced education when you're. If you and I just 
like we'd get sick of each other if the, yeah. we're, we're the only ones in the class. And that's the kind of stuff that sucks because, you know, as a prospective student and you go to sit with an admissions rep and they're making it sound like everything's great, this is the best place you'll ever be and you show up to your first day and there's two of you and you're like, now what the fuck? Like, I, yeah. I, I, I can't get out of this now or I'm too far into this or I've already changed around my life. I put my life on hold to come to school and now this is where I am, you know. It can get really tough. I know it seems it sounds like we're we've been you know we've been really you know uh, ripping on the profession and that it, it's 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 it, it comes out of love. Yeah, <laughs> well, because I really care. I care so much about the profession, and, and I, as I said, we used to help. I, we'd help anyone, and you know there was one student. One of our students did fail three times, so it didn't happen very often. We had one student who failed three times, and okay, so they're your own students, so you already know what the training that they've had. For whatever reason, they failed three times, and I said, "Just come back for fifth semester, and and I'll charge you whatever." Never put any anything on her invoice. Gave her another diploma. Like she still had to go through the steps, still had to complete. I think it was two more semesters or a semester. I can't remember what it was, and and didn't charge her because it was like you've already paid us. Yeah. It doesn't cost any to put you in a class, sit there. It doesn't cost yeah, us. It doesn't anything. cost anything. It doesn't cost it. We're already running the class, so why don't you come and and join? So there wasn't any additional cost. A, a lot of you know a lot of. Uh, you know, people want to, they, they'd say that's a bad, you know, that's a bad business decision. Well, this isn't about the business. The It's a, it's about a profession. And as you said, what you believe in, and I think this is a profession is uh, like, I worked for 21 years, loved it, absolutely mm-hmm. loved treating people for the 21 years. So in that light, what do you think of other schools? Like when Everest closed their doors and they had a whole bunch of students stranded and there were certain career colleges, private career colleges, the more legacy schools that really were refusing to help these students out because they didn't want to mess with the stats that they had. Yeah, that was that I didn't I wasn't surprised and and uh so we had the Hamilton school um whenever it's closed and so uh, we had a number of programs that matched our programs. It was kind of interesting if I if I think back at that we didn't even care. I don't I never cared about the stats because we always had good stats mm-hmm. and I figured if you make it we're not just going to push you through. If you can make it through our program you have a you have a reasonable chance of 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 getting 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 uh, uh, getting your certificate, so stats never concerned us. But they um, they got to decide as a group, and I don't know why as a group where they're going to go. And they ended up in Burlington at um, I can't remember the name of it. The Burlington School now is um, Oxford, and before that I can't remember the name. It was, before it was it was Canadian Therapeutic College. It was a, another name in between, and they do um, a modular approach, which one person was supposed to teach the whole program. I'm calling bullshit on that. You can't have one person teach a whole program and it can't be modular. You're going to do anatomy for the first six weeks or whatever. And then you're going to stop it. And then you're going to do, um, treatments or whatever you want to call it. And then you're going to do ethics and you're going to do like, you can't teach that way. No other school teaches that way. And there's a reason why, cause it can't be done. And it's not, uh, it's, that it doesn't support it, pedagogically. It doesn't, it's not supported anyways. So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised that some oh, yeah. st- schools refuse to take. Yeah. Some- I used to, I used to go to the Ontario council of private massage therapy colleges. So I used to sit in yeah, those yeah. meetings and you know, when that whole thing with Everest came down, you know, there's a handful of people in the room saying, we're not even going to touch it. We, we don't want, uh, Everest students in here. We don't, we, we already have an idea of what their, the quality of education that comes out of Everest massage therapy, um, program. And we don't want to mess with our glorious stats. So we, we had no problem because we'd always take transfer students, and we had a whole class one time transfer over. Um, it takes it takes a nerve. Um, transfer students, someone who was already in the program, it, it, it's a pretty big leap because they feel like they're stuck, and it's going to cost money, and and 
like I said, it's it's no different than massage therapists want you know trying to get people to come over and st- into a clinic that they're going to get you only have to pay ten percent. That's what I'm talking about. Too passive. Like, uh, uh, we let fear govern the way we're gonna we're going to make a decision. And at some point, you gotta you gotta make you gotta jump in with both feet. So maybe this industry just needs um, influencers with bigger balls. Yeah, and and so right now, I, I think the influencers that we have are a bunch of posers. There's a lot of posers out there. I mean, if you go to the conference that's held in Burlington every year, it's the same retreads mm-hmm. um, over and over again. And the self-proclaimed experts out there in the profession. Yeah. And I, I don't think they're experts in the profession. I think they have a certain knowledge, but they're they're held to this high esteem. I I don't think it's funny because a couple of years more than a couple of years ago probably about 10 years ago where uh, we participated in one of their conferences and they're all and all these people are getting re- awards and everything and i went back and i'm thinking our instructors here can run dance circles circle. yeah. yeah run circles around and their knowledge base and so these people aren't even relevant in, in the never mind in, in the massage therapy realm but in the educational realm and they're, they're speaking like they're experts so um, there's there's a there's a lot of things that need to change in the profession, and maybe as we get some of these older people who yeah, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for them to die off. Yeah, as bad as that sounds, but I am. Especially, yeah, you figuratively yeah. speaking, die off. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know I see such good stuff on social media with some of some you know some people that are just really passionate about what they do, huge knowledge base, providing a lot of value. And I'm like, you guys are really what we should be looking towards, you know, not whoever you yeah. may be yep. and you're riding off of whatever legacy you have. And I don't know how you got it in the first place, but maybe it's only, maybe it's cause I'm only 15 years into this. Yeah. And I, you know, I see a lot of really good people and, you know, we, we talked about the community colleges on when the one specific one that I didn't think was very, very, they don't have a very good program. But the other thing that you need to know about public education, uh, we also had a program for kids. And uh, put together a one-year program for kids. Mm-hmm. So if you're kinesiologist out there and you're looking for uh, a way of going through the program a lot faster and a lot cheaper, uh, we set it up. And it was a fantastic program, well-received and everything. Guess what? We had kids struggle in the massage therapy program. So I always just call it the general population and the kids. We had people in the general population who were stronger academically than people who've had a degree. Don't forget, you've had a degree in kinesiology and you're struggling in a massage therapy program. So the universities are also not doing their job because that's that's another topic for discussion. But the the university educations, because I went to university and it's completely... Let me tell you. Okay, so they've, they've already done studies on this that there's a conflict between administration and faculty. Faculty are saying... Mark's not a, good, not a good enough student. He got a 40, and I need to fail him. Administration says, we need to keep Mark in the program. What can you do to get his Mark to a 50? That's the reality. That is the reality because everything's a big business. If you want to see why we do things, it's always bottom line. Just follow the money, and you'll understand why we make decisions. And, and that's how education is being run. And when I see them building more bricks and mortar, that's not where education that's is That's even going. bigger at the private career college level. Yeah. You know, when someone's coming in and they've got OSAP money and they're failing and, you know, you have, you have the mins of the school saying, uh, you know what, can we, can we find a way to work with this person yeah. to, to keep them in the program because, you know, that's OSAP money, right? Yeah. And we had students who struggled. And so, again, what I would do is – this this one couple they're 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 doing it as a couple and um the next time they came back i said 
you really weren't here for that semester, just come back. Again, we're running through. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Just come back. So you try and keep them in the program because if they really want, you'd, you'd sit across from them and say, Mark, do you really want to do this? How can we help you get through this? And uh, we can't put more financial. But there was other students who were, who were just a bunch of bullshit, right? They were trying to get OSAP money. And, and you'd call them out. You'd say, you're only doing this for OSAP dollars. So uh, it can be done. But you have to have some sort of integrity. Yep, there's the word. And so I think uh, when it's for profit, uh, and again, I, I will say uh, community colleges and private colleges are for profit. I know they don't necessarily show a profit for community colleges, but they need the money to run the programs, to turn the lights on, to pay the instructors, to build the new buildings. They get government grants to justify their existence. And it's the wrong path that we're going down, I think. So it's uh, uh, I like to see changes. I just don't think the change. I like to changes happening a bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you don't move this thing very quickly. Interesting talk, man. Yeah. Anything else you want to wrap up? No, I think that's good. Right on, right Great, on. great. Nice. Thanks for thanks for having me. And uh, like I said, I I have a lot to share. And as you know, I'm really passionate about this industry, even though I'm technically retired out of the out of the industry. I think, it's a, I think it's a great profession. Have you ever considered being involved with uh, the association? Uh, I don't have time. Yeah, that's true. You're a busy, dude. Yeah, it comes down to time, and so uh, honestly, what I'd I'd really like to see in the profession, and this is what I was sort of trying to get with the the con ed, I like to see uh, regionally if you had a, a spot just to network with other massage therapists, listen to really informed speakers, mm-hmm. talk about things, get excited about things. What I wanted to do was you come back, so think of a group massage therapist. You come back, you listen to a really good speaker, and then you pair up with and you exchange massages, exchange ideas, exchange techniques. To me, that would be really cool. You know what? Now that you're saying it, you you are right. The everyone is so passive. We decided to at the I can't remember a couple uh, the end of September. We decided at our office. We we got a pretty big classroom space, and we decided let's put together a free education networking night. And so we have a couple speakers that come out, um, and it's an opportunity for everyone to get together, learn some stuff, and learn some quality stuff, and to just hang out and and meet. And you know the response was good, the turnout was not so hot, and we're like, we're just gonna keep doing it. We did it again, uh, just recently, same idea, and it's it's this it's the same passive yeah. passive passive mentality. How big of a space do you have? Uh, our classroom space is about twelve hundred square feet. I'll tell you what, I will give you my time. You want to run a course? I'll do a course for you. Nothing. No charge. I'll do a course on TMJ. Specialize in TMJ. Assessments. Love assessments. Anatomy. Love anatomy. You tell me what you want to do? I'll come down there and give a free weekend course because that's how much I believe in the profession. So um, I'm willing to give back and I don't think we should always have to pay for it. If I have knowledge to share, why would I want to share that? Why? So I can make like $1,000 is not going to at the end of the day, it's not going to change my life. I'll put that out to you if you want to. You right. want to take me up on that? Yeah, I'll, for sure. I will. I'll be offered a full day course. I'm game. So it'll be like I said. That's that's. I, I mean, I don't. I don't have a facility to do it anymore. But love to love to get back to the profession. Right on. Right on. I'm going to hold you to that, man. Perfect. And Perfect. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what the turnout is like because I feel like every time we say we're going to do something for free, it 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 shies people away. People are more willing to come pay for the course. It's the weirdest thing. Like I'll do a course and there'll be 15, 20 people. Our room, the capacity is about 20, 25 yeah. people anyway, right? So we'll have 15, 20 people come and pay some good money for a course. And our courses are great. At least I think they're fabulous. Um, and the people. I take our stuff they seem to like it because we got a lot of repeat people but anytime i drop the idea of hey this is free it's like 
tumbleweed and crickets. It's it's actually really strange. Really, really strange. I always told students, I said, it's not difficult to treat the TMJ if you understand what you're palpating. If you understand how to mobilize it, uh, the joint, uh, you can get great results. I mean, the, the the ones that have progressed to more of a, a destructive or degenerative change, you can't you can't really do provide. But the ones that just have the the clicking and the locking stuff, you can provide great relief, and it's really really simple techniques. Like I said, the assessment, the anatomy, love to love to give back to the community. Right on, man. I'm going to hold you to that, and we'll see how it goes. Perfect. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. You've been hanging out with Mark and Nick, two massage therapists and a microphone. Peace. <laughs>